Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy, rich food and pure, choice wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. The reproach from, of his people he will remove from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, Behold our God, to whom we looked to save us. This is the Lord for whom we looked. Let us rejoice and be glad that he has saved us. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Responsorial Psalm. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me, he refreshes my soul. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. With your rod and your staff that give me courage. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, I know how to live in humble circumstances. I know also how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. I can do all things in Him who strengthens me. Still, it was kind of you to share in my distress. My God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, glory forever and ever. Amen. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus again, in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, 
one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murders, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Kevin, we are celebrating the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and you have a saint day coming up. Yeah, I think there'd be two this week that would be really good to reflect on. On October 17th, we have the feast day of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Uh, he, of course, was a very early Christian. He was one who was attributed to be the first to use the word Christian. And uh, then on October 18th, we have uh, the Feast of St. Luke, the writer of the Third Gospel. So some really great uh, saints here to just kind of spend some time with, ask for their intercession during the week, and help to you know improve not only the knowledge of our faith, but then our love of the Lord. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, we have uh, the reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah this week. Yeah, and in this first reading, Isaiah describes a great feast that God has prepared for all people. And he speaks about a veil that is woven over all nations. Isaiah says, the veil that veils all people, the web that is woven over all nations will be destroyed. Now the veil that Isaiah is referring to, that was a result of mankind's original sin. And that prevented mankind from enjoying the kind of relationship that was intended by God at the time of creation. Mankind's relationship with God became clouded and skewed as a result of sin. Isaiah goes on to say that God will destroy death forever. Isaiah is referring to the death brought about by the shackles of sin. That's the kind of death that's going to be destroyed. And uh, all the souls that were, you know, that, that were died afterwards, they were doomed to an afterlife apart from God, which is the same as the death. But when the Savior came, that, that changed everything. In the prophecy, Isaiah foretells the redemptive act of the Savior, the passion and the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, wherein through his death on the cross, Jesus destroyed death, he broke the chains that kept mankind bound in sin, and he broke through the veil, allowing mankind once again to share in God's friendship. Yeah, there, there's so many ways you can read and interpret Scripture, and it's so deep. <laughs> and in fact, uh, uh, Peter Crave talks about three possible interpretations of just this one reading. Uh, the first was Israel's glorious future in this world. Uh, the second one is the Messianic era. And the third is the future and final victory at the end of time. And, you know, this passage probably means all three of these things, but I'm going to focus more on the second one and its relationship of the Messianic era and the Mass, because on Mount Zion is where we encounter God. And on this mountain, he provides a banquet. And I just think that's a beautiful prefiguration of the Eucharist in the Mass. I mean, the Mass, remember, is where heaven touches earth every time. 
and you talked about the veil. The mass is what shatters that veil, that inability to see because of that sin you mentioned. The mass rips away the web, the discord around the people and the nations and among them. You know, to me, the Eucharist and the mass bring total clarity to our lives. And I wanted to read a quote by St. John Vianney here about the Eucharist. It says here, Moreover, Jesus Christ will raise us our bodies in glory in accordance with how often and with what dignity we have received his body in Holy Communion. I just think it's a wonderful way to kind of put this Messianic era and the Mass and the beauty and the reality of the Eucharist in in its context. It just is very powerful. Um, The second reading we have from St. Paul to the Philippians today. Yeah, St. Paul stresses the importance of learning to find peace in all circumstances. He said that he has learned the secret of being well-fed and going hungry, living in abundance, and of being in need. And then he tells us the secret that is his strength that comes from God. Now, for most of us, that's easy to say when all is going well. You know, when I get up in the morning from a comfy bed, take a shower in nice warm water, and then come downstairs to enjoy my life-restoring coffee and get a bite to eat. And then I step out into my dry, secure garage, you know, so I don't have to get rained on walking out to my car. And then I drive off to a day of work in a comfortable office setting. But I remember five years ago when I broke my ankle, I had to use medical equipment for a makeshift shower. And I wasn't able to walk down those stairs. I had to get down and do a boot scoot. And even simple things like making breakfast and a cup of coffee were a challenge. And because I was unable to drive, I had to use a knee scooter to get out to the curb and then wait for the bus to come. And sometimes that meant waiting in the rain. And looking back over that episode, it was painfully obvious how I had not learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I am short-tempered, spoiled, impatient, and ungrateful, and that God has a whole lot of work to do to help me learn how to do all things in him who strengthens me. I think that's part of the whole journey for all of us. <laughs> and I think what Paul really talks about is the the way we live, whether in humble or in abundance, the way we live remains the same. The need to trust in God, to be thankful for what we have, and not to be attached to worldly possessions. And, you know, God does supply all our needs, but not through some sort of app on our phone, right? There's no God hub. There's no spirit dash, right? (laughs) But he does give us graces through others. And that's the beauty of the relationship in the body of Christ. And we also need to be and provide God's graces to others as well. So I think in all things, charity in the way we live. And that's Mm -hmm. how important that is. Well, in our gospel today, we hear from the gospel of Matthew. And I thought I'd provide... I I guess a a way I see this in general as a story of salvation history, but also then as a personal invitation. So from the lens of salvation history, you see the king, and that's God. You see the wedding feast for his son, Jesus Christ, and he dispatches his servants multiple times to tell people to come to the feast. You have the Old Testament prophets. Of course, now through the story, you see the, the corporate rejection by the Jews, And then the end, the burning of the city, that meant the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And then invite whomever you find, both Jew and Gentile. But then you get to that wedding garment, Carla. You know, a guest was not wearing a wedding garment. And what did the king do? 
Well, let's read here for a second. <laughs> he bind his hands and his feet. He cast him out into the darkness where there'll be wailing and grinding of teeth. Well, that seems a little bit harsh, doesn't it? <laughs> I think so. Because typically the punishment is proportional to the crime. That's what we call retributive justice. So something more must be going on here. So what does the wedding garment stand for? And I think that's kind of where the personal invitation to us comes in. In Revelation 19, verses 7 through 8, Scripture tells us that a wedding garment is a symbol of righteous deeds that accompany faith. Well, what are these deeds? Well, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that these deeds are almsgiving, prayer, fasting, and works of mercy. You're right, you're right. And you know, Kevin, there seems to be kind of an illogical indifference that many people have with God. You know, I hear people say things like, yeah, I think there's a God, but I'm just not religious. But I think I'm a good person, and that's really all that matters. Well, you know, that kind of attitude is very much like the attitude of that ill-fated wedding guest. He was so deeply immersed in vice that he couldn't see what was so plain. He couldn't see that the clothes he was wearing were inappropriate for such a great occasion and that he needed to change into clothes that were fitting the occasion. He was invited and he presumed that was enough. He got his invitation and woohoo, he decided that all he had to do was show up. But he soon learned that just showing up wasn't enough. The king expected him to make an effort to prepare for this great event. And as was customary, the king even provided the garments. All that man had to do was remove his old dirty clothes and put them on. The absence of the wedding garment in the story symbolizes the man's unwillingness to participate in the work of salvation, like you pointed out. This man was taken in off the streets and invited to join in the highest feast of the land, but he was ungrateful and negligent. He deliberately rejected his duty to the king, and he paid the price. And so that's our personal invitation, to put on our wedding garment and participate in the banquet of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.